Hey, have you applied to speak at Voice Summit yet? Applications are open until March 31st. So if you have something to say about voice, go to voicesummit.ai and click on apply to speak to be considered. Go ahead. What are you waiting for? Apply now. Inside Voice was recently interviewing live in person at a voice tech event called Project Voice in Tennessee. On this episode, you'll hear Adrian Simple talk about how he's putting his users first, allowing him to have the number one flash briefing in the U.S. and Canada. Then Terry Fisher talk about how he's building flash briefings for the healthcare space. And finally, Rob Stanbridge talk about how his company, Vocala, is building voice game experiences, plus how his team launched the U.K.'s first retail voice commerce skill with Interflora. All right, we are back inside Voice Podcast listeners, and I am here with Adrian Simple. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, so you are the creator of Gaming Observer, yeah. which is one of the number one flash briefings. Uh, it is currently ranked number one in the U.S. and the U.K. Woo! Yes, I love it. It's when did you exciting. start it? Uh, I started it a year and a half ago, so July of 2018. So tell me this story. How oh. did this happen? So I assume you're a gamer yourself. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm a lifelong gamer, so okay. I've, I've been playing games my whole life. I've always had a controller in my hand, uh, but... Essentially, back a year and a half ago, a friend told me about Alexa, and that was kind of my first time discovering that ecosystem. And she said, hey, there's this thing called Flash Briefings. It's really cool. I was like, that's interesting. So I did a little search in the Amazon Flash Briefing section for video games, because that's what I'm interested in. And there wasn't really anything there. Uh, there was the major, the major news networks that were out there, but they weren't, it didn't seem like it was very popular and whatever. I said, I have a microphone. I can do this. Uh, and so I did it. And then now here we are. So tell us what the flash briefing is. So you do it daily. Yes. Yeah. And so, what, are, what are, are you giving advice, education? What is it about? So every Monday to Friday, I cover all of the news that I can on that day. So uh, if a whole bunch of things happen on a Monday, then Tuesday morning, people get the news from that previous day. Uh, it's about three to five minutes long. It's, a bit, it's, a lo- it's on the longer side for flash briefings. Uh, but I cover three to four stories, you know, whatever the most interesting things that happened on that previous day. Uh, and then, you know, that's kind of what I'm most mostly doing and what I'm most known for. Uh, on Saturdays, I have a listener interaction day. So I have people write in, I'll, I'll ask a question and people write in and saying their experiences with, you know, whatever is related to that question. Uh, and I'll feature their answers on the show. Uh, and then on Sunday, I usually do some kind of special. So sometimes I'll just talk about the games that I'm playing. Sometimes I'll uh, cover one news story super in depth because it's interesting, you know, just kind of a, a variety grab bag. Um, and yeah, that format has really worked out for me. And yeah. So how did you market that? How did you get so many followers? Did you just put it and people just found it on Amazon or what? It's really interesting because, yeah, I did, it's all organic growth. So I get about 10,000 listens a week now at this point, And I think that's that's pretty crazy to hear about yeah. that I haven't done any marketing or I haven't gone on other podcasts. You know, all I've done is tweet, essentially, and, and meet the people that are all here at Project Voice. Um, but, yeah, essentially, I just I did my best with the keywords in the title. Uh, and then people, you know, when they search gaming or video games or gaming news or any combination of, you know, gaming related uh, news, uh, I, sh- I show up. And now I've gotten to a point where uh, compared to the other people who are covering gaming news, I'm, I'm way far and above in terms of reviews and, and you know, all that stuff. So uh, it's really just been kind of snowballing now. That's great. So yeah. what I personally don't know anything about gaming. Okay. So tell me what are what kind of games are you playing? What are the popular games? Oh, gosh. Are you talking about? 
things that are online? Are you talking about voice games? What type of things are you talking about? Well, so it's it's mostly mainstream gaming. So like your Xbox and your PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly as well industry news. So if they're saying, hey, we're delaying this game or we're, uh, you know, we acquired a new company and, you know, we're going to make games, you know, that company that usually makes games is now going to come work for us. Um, or if uh, a game had just come out, uh, like, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto or uh, a racing game or something like that, and there's all these reviews coming out, then I'll say, okay, hey, uh, this game came out, here's what people are saying about it. And hopefully in the future, uh, these companies will want to send me a, a copy of the game, and then I can say, hey, here's what I think about it. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm mostly just covering whatever has happened in that previous day. Um, and yeah. Is there one that you play specifically that you like a lot? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, there's, like, I kind of go through cycles. Um, I try to play at least one new game, you know, at a time. So, like, if I, I'll play through a game and I'll try and finish it, and then I move on to another one just so that there's always something. Um, but then there are, are, there are types of games that are meant to be played over and over. They're, they're usually called roguelikes. Um, and essentially, it's like, you know, you play the game once, and then if you die in the game, uh, you start over from the beginning. And it's randomly generated, usually, every single time, so it's a unique experience. I play a lot of those games. Uh, so usually, I have one or two roguelikes going on at the same time as me playing, like, a narrative story-driven game. Uh, so, so specifically, like, right now, I'm playing a game called Ori in the Blind Forest. Uh, it's very artistic, very unique. Uh, it's a wonderful game. Uh, and then in terms of roguelikes, uh, traditionally, there's a game called The Binding of Isaac, which I have like 800 hours in. Uh, it's, it's quite crazy. And I'm really big on a card game right now called uh, Slay the Spire. So I'm kind of just all over the place. I love it. So now you're 21 years old. I am. And you're in school. Did I read you're in school for acting? Uh, well, or you so are an actor. In, for theater. Mm -hmm. theater? But technically, it, well, it is technical theater. So I'm behind the scenes. Okay. So I'm doing all the lighting and the sound and, and management and, and stuff like that. And so... Uh, is the goal here, okay, I'm going to finish school and I want to get into that theater space, or do you see yourself kind of becoming this kind of newscaster within gaming, designing gaming? What's kind of the thought that you have at this point now that you've developed this flash briefing? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because before I started the flash briefing and I was in this theater world, um, I, well, I had worked in theater since I was a, like a teenager, right? So I, I've been in theater for five, six, seven years, something like that. Uh, and I decided to go the university route because I wanted the academic approach and I maybe want to go down the teaching route at some point. So I was really in that world. Uh, and then this flash briefing like super took off. And of course, video games have been a part of my whole life and theater has been a part of my teenage life. Um, so now I'm really interested in, okay, once I graduate from this program, because I still do want the degree, it's valuable. Uh, can I take this flash briefing and turn it into something of a job, um, whether that's whether that is taking the, the show itself and like going the Patreon route or the sponsor route or uh, the opportunities that will come out of that, right, of, of being a, a broadcaster for three years um, every single day. So there's, there's a lot of different ways it can go. Um, and if, you know, if, if something happens where the show just has to end for whatever reason, uh, it would have been a really great experience. And then I'm probably just going to go teach English overseas as a second language because I want to travel. <laughs> you know, I love it. All, all sorts of things. So what you've been doing this flash briefing for a while, what has kind of come out of it that maybe you didn't expect oh. would happen? Oh, man, it, it, the, the craziest thing that comes out of the flash briefing, at least for me, is that I get is the stories. Like listener, I have 1,500 listeners a day-ish, actually more than that because of Christmas, but um, people listening every single day in ways that I never expected. And so I get these stories sometimes from listeners who are, are it's just extremely heartwarming. Um, I have one, there was a father who messaged me who said, uh, I used to play video games, I don't anymore, but my son is really into video games. And then I came across your show and now I listen every day and I'm in touch and it has helped me connect with my son. 
I'm like, what? Like, where did that come from? I, I had I had, an, I had a teacher who teach teach uh, a game design class, and she said, uh, I play your show at the start of every class. You know, uh, early on when I originally started, it was in like like late 2018 before anybody had found me. Uh, there was one lady who said, hey, I, I suffer from morning depression every morning and your show gives me like a routine to kind of escape from that every single day. And I saved that email and I haven't heard from her in a long time. I tried emailing her and be like, are you still here? And she hasn't responded and makes me sad. But that email was like so like, oh, my God. And so now I get I get emails, I get tweets, I get all kinds of these messages constantly like every week I get something and and that has been really surprising I love that and I think that shows that you know this voice technology isn't just about creating the next greatest thing it it still is about human connection it's still about how do I help someone and you're helping people in different ways yeah yeah totally and and that's like I had a talk earlier here at Project Voice uh talking about flash briefings and pretty much my core concept was I'm focused on the listener and what the listener is doing and we're here at the conference and it's a lot of how are we going to revolutionize the tech industry how are we going to you know grow businesses and it's weird for me because I'm like literally my day-to-day is go to school come home and talk about video games through a microphone and now I'm here and we're talking about let's change the world right and so my scope is so much is more narrow than, than a lot of the people here. And I think that's kind of a unique experience that I've had. Yes. Oh, well, I, I am a human connector as well. So yeah. I am the same way. And I'm fascinated by how voice can take us in a way to, uh, to meet other humans in a different way yeah, offline. So yeah. I have a different approach to it all. Do you see yourself creating a voice skill at all that kind of extends from the Gaming Observer? Yeah, it's, it's, we, it's hard for me because it, there's so many... Like, I don't know where I would take it. You know, I found success in the news route. I don't know what a secondary skill would really do for me. Um, It it is pretty obvious that Amazon hasn't supported flash briefings for quite a long time. Uh, And so I could hypothetically see a future where they say, hey, we're not going to support flash briefings anymore. Uh, We're going to take that feature out, right? Like, let's say that happens. Um, Then I would make a skill that's pretty much the same thing because now you can put third-party skills in routines uh, and it can operate the same way. And I would have a skill sort of in that sector. Uh, but when it comes to like ex- extending the experience, I'm I'm not so interested in that because, uh, you know, people, I, I guess there's possibilities, but when it comes to like actually actively doing something right now, it's just, it's not in my purview. I'm really focused on perfecting the flash briefing and making a really good experience for my listener. I love that. Yeah. That's so great. Where can people learn more about you or connect with you if they want to? Uh, yeah, you, um, you can find me on Twitter at gaming underscore observer. Uh, I also have a website, thegamingobserver.com. So if you want to find the show itself, you can find it all on that website. Uh, or if you want to email me, you can go to adrian at adriansimple.com. Perfect. And at 21 years old, very impressive with the work that you're doing and putting yourself out there. I'm excited to see more of what's going to come. Yeah, it's really weird. I, you know, looking around this conference and seeing the average age has been a a really weird experience for me. But uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun and uh, I'm excited for the future as well. Good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. We are here today with Dr. Terry Fisher. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank I'm you so for excited. having me. I'm so excited to finally meet you. I've heard yes. your voice so many times <laughs> and there's a real person behind Same. it. Same. I know. I was just saying to you earlier that it's so funny. I, you see people on LinkedIn, you see them on Twitter, you like hear them and now we get to like meet in person and chat. It's always exciting. So yes. I want to hear about your journey. So you're a doctor first and foremost. Yes. So how did that start? What got you excited about medicine and to be in that field? Ah, great question. 
that's a question that I don't often get asked at a voice conference. We so get that, so that yeah. we get excited <laughs> with different questions. Yeah. How did I get excited to be in medicine? Um, a lot of it came from really being in a position where um, growing up with some people with disabilities in my family and seeing the impact that a good physician can have on those types of people mm -hmm. and being able to really be there, be a support, be, a, be an advocate and helping people out as best as I possibly can. And then as I went through medical school, I gradually learned what kind of area really interests me. And I settled in on family medicine and sports medicine. And now I work at the University of British Columbia taking care of students and athletes there. I love it. So where did voice come into play? Did you, where did you first hear about it? And how were you like, I want to do something with it? So the other part of my background is I'm a techie at heart. Mm -hmm. And I love technology. And ever since I was a kid, I would play with whatever the latest gadget was. And I've always just done that. I played around with digital cameras when they first came out and video editing and all this stuff and podcasting, etc. And this was about two and a half years ago. Um, I first became aware of voice technology, Amazon Alexa specifically, and I was just very intrigued by it. So I did what most people do. I go on the internet and I Google it and I was looking for some resources. And all I really found um, were resources based for U.S. at the time, because Amazon Alexa was already in U.S. At the time I was looking this up, it actually wasn't yet even in Canada. And what people may or may not know is that although they are very similar, it's actually a different language model between the U.S. and Canada, and that means that some of the features that are available in the U.S. are not available to Canadians. And so I was looking for some resources about how does this work, what's going on, it wasn't available, and I decided I have a teaching background, I love um, educating, uh, I love talking about technology. So I started the Alexa in Canada uh, blog and podcast even before it actually came out. And just the way things turned out, my, first, my very first blog post was, oh, I wonder when this is coming to Canada. And within about two weeks, there was an announcement, Amazon is bringing Alexa to Canada. That's so good. And so I started a podcast and I started talking about it. And that was the first little bit into the voice journey. So you were just talking about what it can do, how it can help. Were you talking about it from a medical standpoint Not specifically? Not at that point. Not at, Not that, at that point. point. At that point, it was just, I just really liked the technology. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a way for me to get into podcasting. Um, it was a way for me to just have a hobby. It really came out of a passion. And I started the, like I say, the blog and podcast. It was truly a passion project. It still is. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, it's rare because I think a lot of people in a lot of industries, but especially the medical field, they're busy all the time. Yep. You know, they say, I don't have time to learn something new or to create content or do anything else. I'm too busy with my patients, with paperwork, with everything else. How did you kind of find that time to integrate some of this into your life? Uh, really, it's the time that I think the average person would spend on doing their hobbies. This is, was, still is my hobby. And uh, I have a very busy practice. I work full-time as a physician. Uh, I have a family. I've got my wife. I've got my two kids. Um, I'm very involved in their lives. I, I play hockey. I coach both of their hockey teams. And um, But when I have my free time, whatever that is, uh, this is how I spend it. I love looking at, researching, talking about, creating, being creative around voice technology. And so what have you learned most about voice technology and the way it can help the medical field specifically? Okay, so as I continued this journey with Alexa in Canada and I started a flash briefing, people started to ask me, well, you're a doctor, where's the connection here? And I started to think about that. And the more I thought about it, I started to realize this is actually going to transform healthcare. And same kind of story. So I started to, again, Google, like, what's going on with voice and healthcare? And you could find stuff from specific companies, but there wasn't yet a resource where you could just go to learn about the industry as a whole at the intersection of voice and healthcare. 
And so that's when I started my other blog and podcast, Voice First Health. And that one is exactly about that. And so I've gone out and tried to interview some of the thought leaders and leading companies and researchers at that intersection. And it's really fascinating to hear about all the stuff that's going on. And so that's, that's how that has come about. It's very similar to the story with Alexa in Canada, only now with specifically voice and health. Now, do you see yourself doing more within voice and less within your everyday medical practice or no, you still want to combine the two in some way? I think it, they will always be combined in, in one way or another. Um, I, like I said, this has been a passion project and, but the amount of interest that it's generating and the, for example, the speaking opportunities that are coming from this, um, sponsorships and things like it definitely is turning into a, a viable business. And, you know, to be able to, um, have that, creative outlet to a regular daily medical practice is really interesting. Um, and so, you know, what's the right mix? I don't know what that is at this point. Perhaps it might be that I scaled down the medical practice to do this a little bit more. I don't think I'd ever stop medicine. There's a lot of skills, a lot of investment, and a lot of time and, and money that I put into getting that qualification. Um, but um, I have to find that happy medium. But I, all I can say is, you know, this is, this is a lot of fun. Yes. No, it certainly is. Do you have any advice for people that want to get into voice, especially in the flash briefing side, which we've heard, you know, you have people say, well, it's free, like it, it doesn't have value. And then you hear people that have built them and they're having these huge audiences and it's a potential way to monetize. So do you have any advice for people getting into it or what you've seen with your own? Absolutely. That's so that <laughs> that's a third thing that I'm really passionate about is the flash briefings. Um, I love flash briefings. Uh, I gave a talk yesterday on that and I was talking about how Flash briefings are such an opportunity right now. I said that, you know, I see podcasts as being the cousin to flash briefings, but while there's 700,000 podcasts, roughly, give or take, depending on which stats you read, out there currently, there's 12,000 flash briefings. There is such an open space right now. The other thing is people are looking for shorter and shorter uh, form audio content. And this is such a great opportunity now for people to develop an intimate, personal relationship with the audience on a daily basis, trick is you got to be consistent with it. Um, and then because there's so much space right now, it is, I, I believe it's very much like how podcasting was 10 years ago, that sort of thing. So there's, there's, um, there's a lot of opportunity there. As far as some advice, um, one of the things I did create and it's completely free is I have a, a totally comprehensive flash briefing course called flash briefing formula, flashbriefingformula.com. And the other thing is, um, I've really enjoyed experimenting with it and, and I created a, a game, a gamified flash briefing where people can listen to it. They can um, listen for, the way the game works is they listen to clues in my flash briefing. Then they go to another skill. They see if they got the answer right to that clue. And then if they get it right, the, the skill gives them a little piece of a final puzzle. And if they can collect all the pieces, then they can talk to Alexa and Alexa will tell them how they can enter to win a grand prize. And the engagement and the enthusiasm about this has been off the charts. I did it once for my 500th um, episode and actually just started the latest edition today. And I should actually give a shout out because uh, Pete and Modev and, uh, and the Voice Summit team is one of the sponsors for this Crack the Code contest. And um, part of the grand prize is going to be an all-access pass to Voice Summit 2020. I love it. It's so good. Where can people learn more about you, connect with you if they want to? Uh, they can uh, reach me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Dr. Terry Fisher. It's one R, one I in Terry. So it's D-R-T-E-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R. Um, they can also look me up on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, the same. Um, 
the websites alexincanada.ca, voiceforsehealth.com, and the Flash Briefing Formula course, flashbriefingformula.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we are back with Inside Voice Podcast, and I have Rob Stanbridge from Vocala. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your company does? Yes. So Vocala, we're a UK-based voice studio and agency. So we work predominantly in the Alexa voice space, um, and we create on one side of the business our own voice experiences, uh, and we take game show TV formats and work with license holders to create formats for voice such as Deal or No Deal, Pointless, Tenable in the UK, which are big primetime TV shows, and put them into voice. And on the other side of our business, we have an agency where we work with end clients to take their existing products and services and put them into voice for them as well. So... Two sides. Yeah. I want to talk about the game side because I feel like I haven't heard so much about that. So when you're taking, I do know Deal or No Deal. I love that show. When you take something that has been known to be on television and interactive, how do you bring that to a voice experience and either create the same feel or the same experience or in a way that stays on brand for them? Yes, yeah, so we look for TV shows um, and games that we think, first of all, that will translate to voice. So there's some TV shows that won't because of the interaction with the host um, and the audience and the suspense and the thrill and, and different shows. So ones that do work well um, for voice such as Deal or No Deal, where it's you against the banker and you're choosing boxes, which work well for voice because it's numbers 1 to 12, so it's quite easy to understand. Um, so we look for those, but then we really look for getting the host's voice. So we work with the TV show to actually have the host of the TV show voicing and welcoming the user. We have all the theme tune um, for it as well, all the sound effects, but also for the visual devices, for the TV and for the shows, we have all the original graphics as well. So it really is that kind of all-encompassing TV show experience that you can play And what got home. you guys focusing on that element? Was it something that just kind of came about and you're like, we could really develop this game side? Or... Did you go out and seek that? Like, why did you choose that? Yeah, so the the founder of the company, Richard Matthews, had been building games, uh, flash games, 20 years ago, and had always been building games for Facebook and for mobile. Um, And although there's quite a few uh, followers of his games, and even we hired some junior developers who were kind of half his age, and he told them the flash games that he built, and they were like, wow, we love that game in school. Um, It never really took off. And then I think about three years ago, somebody bought into the agency an Alexa, and everyone started playing with it and messing around. And then he realized you could build applications for it. And he just thought that trivia-based games and question-based games would work really well. So we built some of our own IP. Um, but we weren't getting the traction and people weren't understanding or knowing they were there. So what we then thought is, hey, why don't we go to known brand IP that has thousands of followers and people love the shows on TV and see if we can take those experiences into voice. Um, so we contacted the program makers Um, met with them, got them excited about voice, kind of built a relationship with them. And then we took those uh, experiences and got the licenses to to bring them into voice. And how did you or the show market it? I mean, were they putting it out a lot on the show? Were they putting it out on social and that got users to interact with the voice part? That would have been fantastic. Um, if they did. Uh, but with the license, the TV kind of licensing broadcast format world is a very complex world of who owns what and how to do things. So with some of the TV shows, we can, um, and they'll have social channels which they'll promote. Other ones won't. Um, and obviously the TV show has, uh, they might have paid advertisers. So if you want to go on the show and then promote um, and other things, it's quite a complex thing to do. But what has been great for us is people like Amazon 
um, promoting our games because it's a known brand, so it already has a following. Um, and obviously on the social channels that they have as well, we can tap into that market as well. So the ideal would be at the end of the TV show with millions of people watching, they say, and at home, just say, Alexa, open deal or no deal, and off we go. Um, but we haven't quite got that far yet. But yeah, it's kind of people know the brand, they follow on social, they know the presenters um, who will put in good words for us as well. So lots of different ways. Yeah. And um, you did your the first retail voice commerce skill, which launched in December for Interflora. Yes. Can you talk about that? What yes. it was, how you developed it, what came about from it? Yeah, so we, we were looking um, on the agency side to look for clients who we felt could transition into voice. Um, and so we actually targeted Interflora as a, as a client. We picked up the phone, we spoke to them and asked them if they knew about voice, had they thought about it, which they hadn't at the time. So we ended up doing a couple of workshops with them um, back and forth about how they could take their online retail business and put it into voice. Um, and we'd seen that it had been done in other countries as well. So there was kind of a little bit of um, a backstory that we could we could show. Um, but also nobody in the UK had done a full end-to-end retail voice experience. So a lot of the online supermarkets and shops, you could add things to basket, but you then had to go to your mobile app to check out and complete the purchase. So we, again, spoke to the platform. So we spoke with Amazon, who we worked with, um, and said, hey, we're looking to do this. We got in touch with the guys at Amazon Pay, uh, went through how it would be possible. Um, And then it was all just a case of them getting on board and saying, yeah, actually, we're going to do this. And they were great, and they got fully behind it. Um, And we spent a long time understanding their customers, understanding the voice. So we we don't use um, Alexa's voice. We have a voice for it. So understanding what that brand voice should sound like and how they should interact. Um, And one of the challenges was they have thousands and thousands of products. And obviously in voice, it's a bit difficult. So we brought that product range down. We were giving more recommendations than offering a a selection um, for the customer. But yeah, the journey flow went through. We managed to launch before Christmas to hit the Christmas market. So you can now in the UK say, Alexa, open into Flora and with your voice go through and make a purchase all the way through, which was a first and it's working and people are doing it and it's, it's really good. That's very exciting. Now, you are up for an award tonight at Project Voice. Is it for that or what is it for? No. So that one was a little bit late to go in. um, So we'll put that in next time. Um, But we're up for three awards. In fact, one is uh, for Voice Developer of the Year, um, which is great from the UK to be that. Uh, The other is the Alexa Amazon Developer of the Year. Um, And then one of our skills, which is a big show in the UK and very popular, called Pointless which is a TV show. You can play it in the US store as well, but it's not on the TV in the US where they survey, um, they ask 100 people to answer a question and then you need to try and find the question that is correct, but nobody in that 100 people knew. So it's kind of pointless. You're trying to find the the pointless answer. (laughs) I like it. I like it though. (laughs) So you say to Alexa, open, uh, let's play pointless and then it comes in. Um, So yeah, it's one of our most popular skills. It's in Bradley's book here is one of the top things to try. Um, for there as well and then it's in the awards so yeah that's great that's great well I wish you luck we will find out once this podcast airs we'll know the winnings but it is is beforehand and what personally got you into voice technology so my I've been with Vocala for coming up to a year so my background has been in live events and live experiences and I'd always use technology in those live events and experiences and worked with Richard who um, founded Vocala to build mobile apps and interactive voting systems and streaming technology and then he was talking to me about bringing voice into events and how I should do that 
Um, and I had no clue what he was talking about. And then he told me more and more about it. Um, and then I was like him when he got excited. I was like, this is this could be a big thing. Um, the way we're interacting with audiences is changing. Um, I kind of wasn't really with the... I, fallen out of love with mobile apps at events and screen time and actually a more customized flexible uh, conversation was where um, the events were looking to go and then just timing came about where it was like yeah actually I can uh, leave where I was and, and come and join him so I made the decision I also waited till he was making some money in the voice space before I did it um, I let him take the risk to start with but um, but then yeah I joined and managed to kind of get involved and bring that kind of agency and um, live experience expertise to his development expertise and so together we've been doing some pretty cool stuff. I love it. Well thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you or your company? So our website is vocala.co um, we're based in the UK. We're on Twitter and LinkedIn as well um, so yeah have a look on there um, and see what we're about. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.